Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. In this episode of Mid-Market Matters, I'm joined today by Roger Collins-Wilcock. Roger is a bit of a guru around professional services firms, what makes them work, how they make money, what goes wrong, and what can be done to fix it. So firstly, Roger, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Great to uh, be part of it. Mate, you've got a very interesting business history, but I'm interested, to, what are you focusing on now? You, you've, you've been around for a while with professional services firms. Yep. Um, I think it's probably true to say you know exactly what makes them tick. Um, yeah, look, I work now with small to mid-tier professional services firms. So, you know, so I'm talking engineers, surveyors, landscape architects, planners, quantity surveyors, those sorts of people. And I work in the small mm. to mid-tier. So when I say that, I'm talking 10 staff up to sort of seven, 800 staff, sort of thousands of those sorts of firms across yeah. the world, certainly in Australia. And I just help, I'm just a voice to talk to. I just talk to them about, because they don't, my experience is those groups don't have people to talk to. They don't share their, their stories outside of their own little bubble in which they work. And most of the people running those companies want to actually be doing chargeable work. They want to be a surveyor. Yeah. They want to be yeah. an engineer. They want to be a planner. They've got no business background particularly, but they're good at what they do. So they make, you know, they've, they've got work, but they've got no one to talk to about HR issues, about strategy issues, yeah. about how to win work and how to be deliberate about winning work and how to go about it and how to claim variations, which is a, just a huge issue that no one ever teaches you. When you're at university, you know, how do you start with a lump sum job? There's a, there's a school somewhere, let me tell you, there is a school somewhere that all builders go to. Um, they understand about how to claim variations. But I tell you what, professional services, I don't know, it's because we think we're, we're smart or we are smart that we just sort of don't think we need to. But it's where we make, we, we drastically undersell ourselves and we're really uncomfortable about talking about money and we're really uncomfortable about actually making money when I say to the guys, the idea is to do a really good job, get paid well, and be proud of it. Yeah, I think there's actually a, it's almost like there's a mismatch between, it's almost like internally they're, they're thinking you can't do a good job and make a lot of money at the same time. And I keep saying to my clients, well, actually, you can do both. And if you do both, you can do more of it. Yeah, correct, correct. The and more it's, money it's, you make, the more jobs you can do, the more people you can employ and so on. But there seems to be this stuff. clash. And you, can, you know, I just, you can actually start working with the clients you really want to work with and get rid of the ones you don't want to work with where you get all, you know, it's the old 80-20 rule, 20%, you know, 80% of your problems come from 20% of your clients. Yeah. Get rid of them. Work with the ones that you like working with. I mean, but again, and you know this, um, you just don't have, know none of the training. There's no training. We're all trained. Like I'm an engineer by training, right? So yep. I did four years of technical training. I did one non-technical subject and it was called, believe me, this is exactly what it was called. It's called books. That was the name of the subject. And all <laughs> we had to do, I think, was to read six books. I think we just had to read six books. I think they were happy if engineers could read six books and then 
that was the end of it. And and yet my whole life in the private sector, and I've worked my whole life in the private sector as a consultant, um, is all about dealing with people, dealing with issues, dealing with relationships, whether that be with your clients, with your staff, whatever it might be. Do we get any of that training? No. And yet <clears throat> there are so many people out there that are running businesses without any of that background. And most importantly, they've, got no one to, they've just got no one to talk to about it and they're never going to share that vulnerability, if you like. Mm. Um, and so that's where I play now in that space. And and I've, I've because I've tried to buy a lot of companies over the years and I haven't, haven't been successful um, in terms of purchasing them because there's a very conservative market we're dealing with, um, yep. I get to know these guys really well and, you know, it goes, take us from there. Your background was actually in large corporates. Yeah, so well, well known yeah, large it's businesses. In, it's interesting you say that because when I started, so I worked, I worked for a couple of small consulting firms, and went, and then I joined a firm that some of your listeners might have heard of called Cardno. Well, I joined it as it was a it wasn't I tell you what it wasn't a, a corporate when I joined it in, in the early nineties. It was called Cardno and Davies, and it was a hundred and fifty person firm with. Brisbane office, some regional um, offices, Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, and a few other, and Townsville. Um, and uh, it basically did urban development. So it basically did all of the urban development in southeast Queensland, did all the waters, Noosa waters, Kiwana waters, all those, those, yep. those um, um, developments down the Gold Coast, did all of that stuff for Bruce Small and those sorts of people that were developers at the time. And it was 150 people. I joined it and... Um, worked around the place in various offices and um, we started growing uh, by merger back in the uh, late 90s and then got listed and when I left the firm I was running Australia and New Zealand which was a 2,000 person business it was an 8,000 person global business so in the 24 years of when I was at Cardinal, it went from 150 to 8,000 and so we we learned an awful lot of you know and it also was listed so so it sort of became this big sort of organization at the end but it certainly didn't start out that way and i think my heart just to sort of go back to that original my heart is with the smaller businesses the yeah. guys that are doing re and the most they are guys doing really good work but with no one to talk to about how do you write a business plan that actually makes sense and that i'll actually follow how do i write action plans that i can actually go back to how do i get my executive team to think strategically rather than about the next problem because in the absence of getting that plan every there's always issues and problems and dramas that you've got to solve yeah. because and and of course engineers and technically trained people they love solving problems that's what drew them to the profession you know yeah absolutely and in fact i think that's one of the traps i think they're actually they're so heavily trained to have the answers to solve problems to come up with a solution and I'm even talking broader than engineers and cons I'm talking accountants, lawyers, financial Absolutely. planners, insurance brokers. They're just so used to having the answers. And I think when they don't, that creates a very big problem because yeah. they don't want to actually admit to anyone they don't know the answer. You're spot on. And I think I think the other point is that they are drawn to back to where they come from. So there are so many, and you would know this, there are so many 30 and 40 person businesses in this country. Why? Because you can run a 30 or 40 person business and remain 50 or 60% chargeable. And yes. and never, And but of course, if the, my issue always is if you're not growing, you're not creating opportunity for your people. Your, your good people always have opportunity, whether it be at your company or somewhere, or somewhere else. else. Yeah. And if you don't give them opportunity, like if I want your job, and you're a young fella and you, you're going to sit in that job and you're not going to grow. You've got another 20 years. I'll, well, somebody will come knocking on my door saying, come and run my company over here. So 
I'm just such a believer that that, and I'm not talking crazy growth. You know, I'm just talking about growth that then creates opportunity for people, so that you can do more interesting work. You know, I yeah, mean, absolutely, that's the key thing in my mind, and that's what doesn't happen a lot. In, it, it, it doesn't happen as much as it could do, I guess, in our industry, and that's why that's why where I get the work from, really. Yeah, it's interesting. You said people go back to their their roots or back to their profession. You know, I. I do some work with employee share plans, as I think you know. I spent some time with an engineering firm. We did a valuation for him. He yep. then proceeded to send me a spreadsheet which broke down all of the calculations in my valuation and came <laughs> up with a, an answer that was, you know, one and a half or two percent different. So, like, no difference at all. But this massive spreadsheet, you could run the space shuttle with this thing. And yeah. I yeah. just sat there yeah. and I actually said to him, I said, mate, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What are you trying to prove? Like, I, I get you're an engineer. You know how to spread, work a spreadsheet. What is this? What's the point? Oh, I'm fascinated by the calculations. And I went, oh, boy, that's serious. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see how someone like that would actually run a business because his natural tendency was, I'll solve it by building a spreadsheet model. No matter what the yeah, problem Yeah, correct. And, and, of course, correct. And, and you know, Craig, you know that's the way he runs his business, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what he's doing with his business. Somebody's coming and asking him a strategy and he's getting into the spreadsheet, into the detail because he, he his badge of honour is structural engineer, civil engineer, geotechnical engineer, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but that's where he, that's where his heart and soul really is. It's not actually in growing the business, you know, and they get, they get really scared. In fact, they get scared of growth because they go, yeah, but, 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 then I don't get to be an engineer, and that's really what I want to be. Uh, and that really, I think, is the is the the challenge for all professional services businesses: is how do you how do you create an operation where you get to do what you want to do? I'm not criticising, but I mean, God, if you want to be an engineer, be an engineer. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. But 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 understand yourself, and I think that sort of self awareness that that's <laughs> if you love spreadsheets, will you do it. Yeah. But 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 don't pretend that you're running a, a sort of an organisation that's creating opportunity and, and strategic and all the rest of it. It's interesting because some of the stuff you talk about, <laughs> the stuff that you write, I read your stuff on LinkedIn and so on, you talk about business relationships and that's something that, you know, the sort of people we're talking about, um, not that they can't do relationships, that's ridiculous, of course they can, but it's not their natural tendency in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah, look, look, it is all about relationships now, and and of course the trouble I think, Craig, with the business that we're in, or the people I work in, is they think, well, I'm a smart guy, and that's why clients are coming to me because of my smarts. Well, I give the example of imagine you buy. I had a mate of mine who who bought this new Mercedes Benz. He didn't get into the car, put the the key into the ignition, turn it on, and sigh a relief and go, wow, I'm glad it works. Like, I'm assuming it works, right? Yeah, I've paid good money to assume it works. But I want to know about the other bits and pieces that it's got, you know. And, and so the relationship bit is critical, you know, and, and that's the part that we, I think, as professional services people, we get nervous about. We don't treat well enough, you know. And, and I've got to tell you, in this whole COVID time, it's really, really relevant. I, You know, doesn't it make you laugh? Like, you go out and you talk to people. I said, oh, well, we've, we've, we've gone out and surveyed our people. We've gone out and surveyed our people who are professional services people, who a lot of them are mostly they're introverts. And we said, do you want to work at home more than do you want to come into the office? And our measure will be an improvement in your productivity. Now, you ask a group of introverts and give them a mathematical sort of problem to say that's how we're going to show that it's um, getting better. 
guess what? They'll work from home all the time. Their productivity will go through the roof, which is so you're going to make more money in the short term. But you've lost relationships. You've lost the glue yep. that holds people together. So I'm, if I was leading a firm right now, I would really be nervous about saying, well, I went out to my troops and they all said we wanted to work from home. That's not a good thing, you know. No, absolutely. Um, so I, I, and I think it's a particular, I'm not saying that's true for everyone. Like if you're a back of house person, it doesn't actually matter as much. But if you are a person that's in charge of relationships and a business, then that glue and getting together and the one plus one equaling three and the water cooler moments is more important to me than asking them if they want to actually work they from home work. because they love working from home. They, they don't even want, they, they just want to, and you know it, you've been around this game long enough, they just want to sit in a corner and, and solve their problems. Well, that actually isn't the way to get the most out of your team. And most of the groups that I work, um, it's teamwork. It's not yeah. individuals, you know. It's a very collaborative space by definition. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm interested in your thoughts. I've seen a lot of firms recently. We, we benchmark all of our clients, and I've seen a lot of firms recently who are quite substantial. You know, they might be turning over 10, 15 million, and they make 4% profit. And you think all that effort, all that time, all those people, all the risk, all the costs, and you make 4% profit, it's just not enough. And it, it seems to be recurring in professional services. They just can't get that model right. What well, it goes driving? back to the point you were making before, right? You know, I think what drives most of our people is solve the problem first and make money second. So, so yeah. when people put in prices in our game, what they do is they they work out they go to spreadsheet exactly like you talk about. They work out how much it's all going to cost, and then they come up with a number and they go, oh, the client will never pay that. So they divide it by two, or they do whatever they do. They sure. then win the work, and then imagine that now they can do the work for whatever price they put in, which was absolutely not what it was going to cost. But they also don't go through that discussion of variations because they think it was a mathematical problem that they actually solved. Yep. Every builder in the world knows that the, the lump sum price they put in for to do a renovation, to do whatever, is the start. It's not the end. Professional services, they, they think it's the end. It's why they make 4% margin. I can tell you that, you know, I think all professional services should be aiming for 15%. That is the sort of margin. Now, smaller firms, God, you should be able to do 20, 25%. That's what you should be able to yeah, do. Absolutely. And be and be unapologetic about doing that because we're, we, really, we do really, really good work. What we don't do well is we do not sell our value. And we don't even see the need to sell our value because we think, I don't know, by osmosis, people think we're smart. And then because we also go, oh, but it's all competitive. And we always blame the competition for cutting prices. We go, oh, those, those, who are, those bastards down the road there, they halve their price. Yeah. Well, and we all do it. Everybody does it because first and foremost, we want to win the job because we love the job and solving the problem. And secondarily, we think about making money. And it yeah. needs to be, it's about both. Do a good, win the job, do a good job, explain to your client, and in the process, get a better relationship with your client. Because there's a, you know, it's, it's really basic stuff. There's a continuum in the business world. At one end is price and the other end is relationship. You know, and price yep. is where the $2 shop operates, right? That They yep. operate at that, that end of that continuum. We, we and, and generally when you start in a marketplace, you have to start on price because it's your only differentiator. But if you can only stay down at the price end, you've got to get out. You've got to work your way up the relationship end of the continuum. And most people don't even think 
think that. They don't even analyze their clients. They don't think, why have we got so many clients when we're making no money? Get rid of them. Like, if you want to go broke, Craig, go to the beach. I say, shut the doors, go to the beach. At least you're going to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? I think that I, I often talk to business clients in this particular space around the difference between boutique businesses and scale businesses. And what I find with a lot of professional services firms is they land right in the middle. They're too big to be boutique. So boutique businesses, as you said, they make 25% profit. They're fast, nimble, agile. They can be flexible with clients. They do whatever they need to do. The larger scale firms have got the resources and the efficiency, but bang in the middle is this problem where you're neither. You're sitting in the middle. You're not big enough to be a scale. You're not small enough to be fast and agile. And that's where you get stuck. And I see a lot of firms get stuck there. They just can't get over that hill. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of firms, I honestly, I just think a lot of firms, they go, there's an ideal size, you know, it's 20, it's 40, and they make their reality sit around the size that they want to be. You know, yeah. my view always is, when I talk to professional services firms, is what's, what's your end game? Where are we going? What do we want to do? You know, do we want to sell? Um, and my contention is that most of the firms in that mid-tier have to sell. Why do they have to sell? Because, because the second tier that would be buying them can't one can't afford it two haven't got the risk appetite and and can't pay enough money quickly enough right so that's the problem that you've got and um and so my view is that with those um those smaller mid tiers where where are you going with your business and most won't answer that question and you you're working with them right they I've talked to guys that are 65 who've never even asked the question about where their 40, 50 person business is going and then go, oh, I think we need to sell. You go, but you're ultimately selling relationships. And do you think the people who are buying your company aren't looking at you going, but hold on, all the relationships is with this guy who's 65 and he's saying he wants to leave. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. so I, Most people don't even think properly strategically until it's too late. You know, and I, my, my view, whenever I'm trying to talk to people, start talking about it early. I don't care what you want to do. I don't. I really don't care what you yeah, want yeah, to do. Yeah, whichever way you want to go is fine. Do, but start earlier. Don't get there to 65 and go, oh, what do I do now? Because it's too late, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Are you seeing a lot of people hanging around longer? Like you talk about 65, but I'm seeing a lot of clients well past 65. Oh, no look, it's a really good point you make. Look, here's my here's my view is that I don't care how old you want to continue to go because I'm, look, it's pretty obvious. I've got a fair bit of grey hair myself. I want people, what, I, what, what you want people to do is, and I, I had one of my blokes who worked in my team, and he says to me, um, and it got, I don't know, Jim must have been about late 60s at the time. He says, I'm going to retire. And so he retires. And about six months later, he rings me up and he says, Rog, um, you know, is there any work on? For me? Yeah, yeah. He says, he says, Rog, I cannot play that much golf. And my wife says, would you get out of the house and yeah. get out of my hair? Right? I'm going to kill what, you. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. That's right. That's not going to be good. What these those those older blokes, I'm telling you, they get relationships. You know, they they had the old long lunches. They know people. Now, what you want to do with the guy, what I did with Jim is come back and gradually what come back and work part time. So he started working back four days a week. Then it was three days a week. Then he started taking these big cruises overseas. And yeah. eventually he came to me, and he must have been mid seventies. He says, I think it's time to retire because I'm away I'm away nine months of the year. I said, yep, it's time for you to go. But yeah. 
that that whole stop dead is it's true, and you will have seen this. Like those guys who bust their guts and their life is their work, and they at sixty five they stop. They're the ones that drop dead on the golf course, you know. And and yeah, yeah. so I say to people, continue to work as long as you can, but ease off rather than do it in one hit, um, and learn because those the, the grey hairs they they are really good. They are really good mentors. And they are, yep. they understand relationships. Like dare I say, us young guys don't actually understand it as well. And and if I don't understand it, I think that's a real issue. And this is true. And I'm not being ageist here, but I do think that the younger set, my God, technically technologically they're very skilled, but their communication skills are pretty ordinary because they're they're tech they're doing this stuff. They're texting. Yep. And I'm telling you, it's about relationships, and you cannot keep relationships going texting. You've got to see people face to face. You've got to have chats. The only way you can discuss variations is face to face. You cannot do it on the screen because it's emotional. If you've got a lump sum job that you think you've you've paid me to do a lump sum job, and I have to come in and say you need to pay more money, and I send you an email, oh Craig, it's going to cost an extra five thousand bucks. Like you're going to get your nose out yeah, of joint. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You've mentioned that a few times. You're seeing that in a lot of firms, this inability to build the extras or build the variations, as you call them. Yeah, look, I, I developed a whole training session called How to Claim Variations Without Your Client Hating You. And, and it is basically a training session that was developed based on all of my stuff-ups. Like, because I started an office, Craig, let me tell you, in the middle, in a place called Harvey Bay, three hours north of Brisbane. This was a population of 20,000 people. When I went there in the, in the early 90s with my wife, I just got married, there were no traffic lights. This is... This is really yep. tough place to do business. And, and and nobody had taught me. They just said, I'll go up there and open an office. Or I just, well, I just realised I didn't have a clue what I was doing. You know, I'm putting in a $5,000 invoice fee, um, clients doubling the workload. I'm going, oh, and of course, diligently working away and doing it and going, hold on, this isn't right. And then going in and having a chat to the client too late and him going, sorry, who are you, mate? No, you're yeah. Where are you no. from? Yeah. Where are you from again? And so... So that whole and, – and, and it's a timeless session. It is a timeless, timeless session because no one ever t talks about it. I know they don't teach it at university now. Um, so it's – and it's all – because we think – we think that talking about variations is going to ruin the client relationship when, in fact, it's 180-degree opposite. If you talk to your client about variations well and early and explain, you will improve your client relationship. Yeah. And and people don't think that that's actually the case because they're scared, you know. And I've got I'm, and I I say this because that's exactly what my boss said to me when I was talking about a client. I, I kept holding, I wouldn't invoice, and I, and I was saying, oh, he's a pretty tough guy to operate. And he goes, Roger, Roger, you're scared. I go, oh no 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 no. He goes, no no, you're scared. Go and talk yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think it is always the case, always has been, always is now, and will be. Because we're, we we just it's it's almost like you know some people say the worst thing they could possibly do is get up and talk publicly in front of people. I reckon for professional services, I reckon yeah, the worst yeah. thing I could do is actually go and claim a variation. You know, absolutely. I remember when I was running an accounting firm, I used to always say to people, if in doubt, bill it out. Yeah. But yeah. talk to the client first. Don't just send them an invoice. And and see, this is the point. You know, that you've got to first. You know, I I'd have my guys would be sending emails. You know sending the invoice and then sending an email afterwards saying, oh, yeah, there was extra work, here it is. And then 
and I'm got I've got I'm looking at my ninety day debtors that are blowing out. I'm going, what's happening here? Oh, oh he's he's he must be he must be worried about that one because um, but there's extra work in there. I said, did you actually ever talk to him? Oh yeah, like physically talk with him. No, no, no. I sent him an email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Completely different. He's not going to pay that. You're going to have the chat, you know, and you wouldn't pay it either. But put yourself in his shoes or her shoes. Like, that's just rudeness. It's yep, not whether there's a variation or not. Have the chat and explain to him, you know, and and most people don't do that. And we also don't explain. We don't explain the complexities of what we do. I always like to get clients to come into the office and they come and have a look at what we're doing with you. Like, this is the dramas we've got with your particular job. And you get the technical guy to these yep. guys and they go, oh, wow, this is pretty complicated. Yeah. You know, see, I say they, they never make show, TV shows. They make them about doctors and lawyers, so everybody knows how complex those matters get. But when it comes to the stuff we do, we don't – people don't know how hard it is. Like people think there are buttons on your computer that says move the building one and a half metres to the left. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, Just use you know, the and press it that way. Where's the button? Because I watch that show on TV where that's possible to, for, to do. Well, yeah. no, it isn't possible you need to explain that, you know? Yeah, very true. Um, last question, well, not the last question, but the last question I want to talk about in a bit of depth, um, planning for yeah. professional services firms. I mean, we're, by definition, some of the people we're talking about are actually in the planning game. They do <laughs> they do urban planning, they design buildings, you know, they, that's all about planning. But in their business, I, I asked someone the other day, firm of architects, you know, yeah. what's, what's your long-term strategic plan? They told me about their plan for the rest of this financial year. Six months. And I said, no, 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 not that. What about 2030? And he said, you haven't heard of COVID. And I said, well, yes, I have. But what, what's your point? And he said, I'm not doing anything outside this year because COVID stuffed it up. And I said, but what, where do you want to be in 2030? I mean, I haven't, I haven't even thought about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, but this is why I've got a job, you know, because because I have that conversation with professional services firms almost on a daily basis. I'm doing one at the moment. Firm in Melbourne doing really, really well, but have never, they do really well, and they've never actually ever marketed. No plan. They said, oh, we did one 10 years ago, but I don't think anybody bought into it. <laughs> so I love hearing that stuff because you end up going, okay, let's just talk. Like, let's talk about it. You know, what are we, and it's, and honestly, I've read a lot of stuff and, you know, I've sort of gone through and done the old MBA stuff. I'm telling you, take it back to a really simple SWOT analysis you know, I like working on five-year timeframes, you know, in terms of staff numbers, revenue, profits, what want me to look like, what don't we want to be? You know, when you, you know, so if you've got an engineering firm, yep. do you want to add environmental? Do you want to add planning? Do you want to add survey? Do you want to add architecture? You know, whatever it might be, because understanding what you don't want to be is as important as what you do want to be, right? Yep. And then you start and you just get people having conversations, get them out of the office. They said, oh, we did a strategic planning year. We did it over lunchtime one time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, get them out of the office. I always like doing an afternoon or a whole day followed by a dinner, and the dinner is as important as the day, and the dinner is just like dinner as we know it. It's not talking yep. strategy, but yep. it's just getting people thinking with a different part of their brain, long-term, and being a bit stretchy. You know, oh, yep. yeah, we've done a strategic plan. We're 20 staff now, and in five years' time, we want to be 25. You're going, yeah, yeah. okay. Wow, great. that's exciting. Wow. 
<laughs> balls are gutsy. You know, I, like stretch a bit. Like it's got a feel, I would think, in five years' time. Like it's almost a bit, whoa. Like, and I use the example of my old firm, Cardinal. Like where we were a 400-person firm and we had a vision to be a global leader in our field. Now, if you sat around the leadership group, when you, you would have said these people are deluded, but I'm telling you what, we all believed it. And yep. for 15 years, we actually, it was it was true, you know. Um, and it's, for those footy fans, those, you know, that Brendan Gale who talks about, he's the Richmond CEO that talked yep. about, like he had that 2010 plan where they they were the laughing stock of the competition. And they said, we're going to have 75,000 members and three premierships by 2020. And, 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 the, and Gary Lyon is interviewing, he's almost sort of going, like almost having to just not laugh. Yeah, but yeah. that's what a strategy, it's got to feel a bit crazy, you know, and then people buy into it. And it's it's no different from a footy team, from a, from your own team that you're leading. You've got to buy into it and believe it because, my God, we spend a lot of time in our business, you know. We spend yeah, absolutely. Jeez, you know, we, 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 it dominates our life. Like, do it properly. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, last question before we wrap things up. Yep. Number one tip for mid-market professional services firms to be more successful. What's the number one thing they need to do? Oh, good. No That's a really good question. Understand that you're in the business of relationships. Yep. That's what you're in. Understand that. Really understand that. Fantastic. Roger, thanks for joining us. We could talk all day, but we're not allowed to. So <laughs> thanks for joining me. It's good to talk to you again. We'll catch up again soon. Great. Great to chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mid-Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au and to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.